Open Field Radio. Like, subscribe, share, and review wherever podcasts are found. If I had to describe this, I'd say it's cool people having conversations about agriculture and life. Because ag and life live side by side and sometimes overlap. I'm your host, Mark Flint, and this is Open Field Radio. Brought to you by Gowan Company. Julie Heckman, Executive Director of the American Pyrotechnics Association. Fireworks, fireworks in agriculture, industry revenues and the impact of 2020, and a weird law in Florida. We talk it all right now. I'm going to start this episode off today, and I'm going to say this episode happened so spontaneously, it's hard to believe it happened so fast, but it did. And by the title, you may think, I don't know where you're going with this. Trust me, this is where ag and life collide. Let's get to it. Your website has a countdown clock to the 4th of July on it. I think that's the coolest thing ever. Is the 4th of July the biggest thing on the fireworks calendar in America? You know, it is the most prominent holiday for the fireworks industry. Um, Industry revenues, 75% of the professional firework companies. And so those are the ones that put on the large celebrations Mm -hmm. for our community. They make 75% of their annual revenue based on the 4th of July. No way. That's huge. Yes. It is. And a lot of people think it's New Year's Eve, but um, there aren't as many New Year's Eve celebrations, you know, nationwide. But pretty much the majority of communities will budget funds to, you know, bring everybody together to celebrate Independence Day. And, you know, pre-pandemic, there were 16,000 fireworks shows nationwide on the 4th of July. And unfortunately, last year, you know, were barely two dozen. So this year is, you know, really a going to be a summer of recovery for the professional firework entertainment industry beginning with July 4th. I think you can feel it across the country. I know in our area, I'm in Arizona, and uh, there are more promotions and advertisements and things right now for come out and see the fireworks than maybe ever. I was going to wait, but you kind of touched on it. Uh, 2020 was tough on the industry. I saw the numbers. Yeah, for the for the professional firework display industry, uh, 2020 was just crippling. The majority of these small family businesses, and most of them are four, fourth, fifth, sixth generation family businesses, they lost over 90% of their income. Wow. And if it weren't for the COVID relief packages passed by Congress, such as the payroll protection program and the economic injury disaster loans, they wouldn't have survived. Is there a path to recovery with this? Is 2021, you know, the start of the path to recovery? Will it ever get back to where it was? I believe Independence Day will ignite a summer of recovery for the professional fireworks entertainment industry. About 70% of those 16,000 pre-pandemic shows are back for this weekend. And we're really excited about that. We are seeing uh, sporting events and concerts being, you know, put on the calendar, festivals and fairs. So, yes, 2020, this summer, it's going to be the initial summer of recovery for the industry. And I think by the time, you know, we get through 2022, they'll be back to normal. I love the sound in your voice, the optimism in your voice, and I love that. I think we need that. I think the excitement is there, but I love to hear you say how 2021 is the summer of recovery. That is great. I am so excited. I mean, compared to last 4th of July, 
last fourth, and I'm always somewhere on the fourth of July. I get my tips <laughs> you are. wherever. <laughs> and I was like, am I going to be stuck at home for like the thir- first time in 30 years and not be at a major firework event? Um, but I think where we are right now, you know, July 4 for this country is not just going to be about celebrating our pride and patriotism, but celebrating our independence from this pandemic. So I think, yes, everybody's ready to celebrate. So at four minutes and 33 seconds into the show, I'm jumping in here. This is what this show is all about. You're asking me, Mark, I thought this was an ag-centric show. It is. Check this out, though. In the opener, it says ag and life live side by side and sometimes overlap. This is the overlap. This is a really cool thing. And believe me, I see the look on your face. I get it. But the ag industry and the pyrotechnics industry have so much in common between regulations and uses and interactions, etc., with both the industry and the public. They even serve in the same industry institutes and sit on the same association committees. If you work on the ag services side of the ag industry, you probably know these people. The parallels are uncanny. Check it out. Talk to me about the American Pyrotechnics Association. Um, sure, and it's funny because nobody thinks about us except one day a year, sure. the 4th of July. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but the American Pyrotechnics Association, we're the leading trade association for the fireworks industry. So we represent manufacturers, importers, distributors, wholesalers, suppliers, retailers, and the professional display companies. The firework industry is heavily, heavily regulated. We're dealing with class one explosives. The APA's role is to help the industry understand how to comply with all of the regulations that are out there on a federal level, as well as provide assistance on on the state level. But we develop codes and standards. We serve on technical committees for, for pyrotechnics to ensure that it's a safe experience, not just for the workers who are handling explosives, but also for the spectators and the fans. I'm on your website right now as you're talking, and highly regulated. I can't even imagine how, how regulated it must be. It is incredibly difficult. And, you know, 40 years ago, we had companies that did both segments of the industry. They were um, manufacturing and and producing professional firework shows, and then they were also running consumer firework sales during the busy 4th of July. But because of all the regulation, there's very few companies that do both now. They decided they needed to put all of their eggs in one basket because just the compliance is very, very challenging. And, you know, with that, as, as hazardous materials, I think when you and I had chatted previously, you know, we're, we're caught up in regulations that impact so many other trade groups um, as well because we're all dealing with hazardous materials. Sure. So I've had the privilege of, of partnering with the um, Ag Retailers Association, the Fertilizer Institute, 
uh, Institute of Makers of Explosives, even the chlorine people, we kind of all come together on certain major pieces of legislation because we're all impacted by them. You're listening to Open Field Radio. I don't know about you, but it seems like everywhere I turn right now, there's something about jobs and the abundance of jobs available out there. Well, here's one to throw in the mix. Skip the job. How about a career at Gowan? Maybe you're in agriculture, maybe you're in science, maybe you're none of that. Check it out at gowanco.com slash careers. Great opportunities available, and they're all cool. Careers right here in America and around the world. Come see it for yourself. That's gowanco.com slash careers. And tell them you heard it on Open Field Radio. I want to hear from you. Yep. And not just an email, though emails are cool. And of course, this will involve an email too, but it'll be a cool email because here's what I need you to do. Grab your phone, find the voice app. You know, the little memo app in your phone that nobody uses for much of anything. We're going to use it. I want you to give me your name, where you're from, what you do, and that you listen to Open Field Radio. So it would go like this. I'm Mark Yuma, Arizona, host of Open Field Radio, and I listen to Open Field Radio. Got it? Just Fill in the blanks with your information. Shoot it off to me in an email, info at openfieldradio.com. I just might use it on the air. And if I do, I'll send you something cool. How's that? Because that's what friends do at Open Field Radio. Hi, my name is Nina Wilson, and I listen to Open Field from the lowest capital of the world, Yuma, Arizona. Open Field Radio. Let me ask you, you've got the display part of your industry, the pro part of your industry, if you will. And then you have the consumer side of your industry, which sells to like you and me. Is one more lucrative than the other? Well, the cash cow of the industry is the consumer, backyard consumer fireworks. Um, no question about it. Um, and for them during the pandemic, they had their best year ever. So their industry revenues rose from $1 billion in 2019 to $1.9 billion in 2020 during the pandemic. And so what was interesting was as we had our professional side of the industry shut down due to widespread cancellations of not just Independence Day, but any large public gathering, families were going stir crazy. They bought consumer fireworks for not just the 4th of July. They bought it for birthday celebrations, for graduations, for gender reveal you know, baby wow. announcement. Yeah. People just went crazy with consumer fireworks. And what's happened now is for this 4th of July, we're actually experiencing a shortage. No way. Because these products are manufactured in China and we're caught up in the global supply chain disruption right now. Right, which is everywhere in everything. Fireworks, lumber, anything. <laughs> it's all been It's all been messed up. In the regulation side of it, are you involved in the in the thought process of those regulations of where wherever the ruling is handed down on how these can or can't be used? Is that part of your territory as well? Well, um, in terms of for the consumer product, no, we do not. Our organization does not lobby on those rules, but we do develop safety protocols. We have a, a pretty robust safety campaign to educate consumers on you know, how to be smart and safe when they're using backyard fireworks. We do get involved with um, developing code with regard to how they are sold safely at a retail location. So, you know, compliance of how this product would be stored and shelved in, say, a big box store versus a standalone brick-and-mortar fireworks store 
as well as how they are, are displayed in temporary stands and tents from a, from a safety perspective. On, on the big shows, for instance, the Disney, any of those places that are running big shows, are you guys involved in that side of it? Um, if Disney asks for us to be involved, I mean, they have incredible expertise when it sure. comes to, to fireworks and storage, and they are the largest user of fireworks in the country, if you think about it, 365 days a year, they are hosting a fireworks show and often in multiple parks. You know, you've got Disney World, you've got Epcot, you've got Disneyland out in California. Mm -hmm. They are the largest user. Where the American Pyrotechnics Association gets involved is like the National Fire Protection Association has a code for the public display of fireworks, for outdoor display. They had a code for the proximate fireworks, for a proximate audience. So when we think of indoor pyrotechnics at a concert or the pyrotechnics that are used on the stadium rim around any of the NFL stadiums, we get involved in developing those codes and standards. So when it comes to regulations and standards, Julie knows what she's talking about. She serves as a principal member on the NFPA Technical Committee on Pyrotechnics. The interested parties of the Hazardous Material Transportation Coalition, often referred to as the IP Group, serves as an advisor to the International Symposium on Fireworks Society, vice chairman of the International Fireworks Association, And, again, where our industries parallel and overlap, she serves with the Ag Retailers Association and the Fertilizer Institute, the leading voice of the fertilizer industry, acting as an advocate for fair regulation and legislation. She knows what she's talking about. I see that 49 states in America say fireworks are a good thing for the consumer. There's one state that is not. One. Massachusetts. And that has grown exponentially over the past few years. Well, it certainly has, and and kind of what really sparked, pardon the pun, the, the change in, in consumer and consumer firework laws kind of happened um, as we welcomed the millennium, um, oh. and then suddenly states started, you know, open opening up. They allowed fireworks on New Year's Eve pretty much nationwide for the first time. Um, that's traditionally only done in the South and. After the Millennium celebrations, it kind of reverted to New Year's Eve being just celebrated in the in the southern states. Okay, but the states started relaxing their their laws, and what happened when the economy kind of tanked in two thousand and eight? Um, states saw that they were losing revenue to a neighboring state that was less restrictive in firework sales. Oh, interesting. So all of a sudden, they did it from a perspective of raising revenue for the state, and it has continued in that path. And so, you know, right now, 49 states, District of Columbia and Puerto Rico, all allow the sale and use of some types of backyard consumer fireworks. And Massachusetts is the the one state that's... (laughs) Holding <laughs> They're no fun. Come on. I did see, though, on your site, by the way, I did see that Illinois, Ohio, and Vermont are like sparklers only or something like that. Well, true, except Ohio is a little unique. Ohio will, and, and I, am a, I am a born and bred Buckeye girl, so I'm allowed to say Ohio is unique. There you go. Um, they allow the sale of consumer fireworks, full line, not just sparklers, 
but you're supposed to sign a waiver that says you're taking it out of state within 72 hours. <laughs> no. Oh, my gosh. That's a, a, a pure so technicality. Kind of, <laughs> yeah, so it's kind of wink and nod enforcement. Um, recently, they did just pass, I think it was like last week, and it's waiting for the governor to sign to legalize fireworks. So if the governor signs it, then Ohio's can leg- Ohioans can legitimately use consumer fireworks rather than breaking the law like they currently do. But, um, <laughs> yes, Illinois and Vermont are sparkler-only states. Sparkler-only states. Wow. A step above Massachusetts. Yeah, absolutely, because <laughs> you can't have those in Massachusetts. No. Come on, Massachusetts. My gosh. What is the biggest hurdle in uh pyrotechnics, consumer or display? What is the biggest hurdle? Is it public opinion? Is it regulations? I think the bulk of it is all meant, of course, for fun and entertainment. But where that is, we know there are some boundaries. You know, there there are, for the most part, everybody loves a big public display. Right. I think where the negativity comes is the consumer use where consumers really are not being courteous neighbors. Right. And I think... We should all be courteous. If you're going to engage in firework activities at your backyard, you should let your neighbors know in advance. You mm-hmm. should just be courteous. We'll let people know. I read an article, and maybe you know something about this, and if not, that's cool too. But I read an article that the state of Florida allows consumer fireworks in ag pest control. So like setting them off to get the birds out. Consumer-based fireworks to do that. you know anything about that? <laughs> yeah, actually, Florida gets the top prize for the craziest fireworks law because it says you are only allowed to use consumer fireworks for pest control purposes. It's just a crazy law. There are a few of them. Like I said, Ohio, you can buy them, but you're not allowed to use them in the state. In Florida, you're supposed to use them for pest control purposes only. And so, gee, there are a lot of pests on the 4th of July, I guess. You know what's funny to me is it's that article that got this whole episode started. That's where the conversation via email started between Julie and I. And you can find the article, just Google it. You know how that works. It's out there. There's a bunch of different versions of it, but basically it says just that. You can't have fireworks in Florida, but you can use fireworks as quote-unquote explosive pest control. Another one found at farms.com. Six strange ag-related laws. Check this law out. When a farmer runs out of options trying to protect their sunflower crops in South Dakota, legislature allows for one or more explosive options, fireworks. The law reads, any agricultural producer may purchase and use explosives, pyrotechnics, or fireworks for the protection of sunflower crops from depredating birds. It goes on to say the specific point in the law states that the fireworks may not be used within 660 feet of, quote, occupied dwellings, churches, or schoolhouses. There you go. What region of the country is most firework friendly? Well, overall, the state of South Carolina gets the prize. <laughs> the state of, not just the region, but the state of. Right, okay. the state, yeah, yeah. Tennessee is also very firework-friendly. Um, Missouri's firework-friendly. Florida sells a lot of fireworks, even if it's just for pest control purposes. <laughs> so what I hear you say it is the South loves fireworks. The South does love fireworks, <laughs> and they, they have their winter season, too. They, they, they are big users of fireworks between Christmas and New Year's Eve. Coast to coast and around the world. You're listening to Open Field Radio. 
We keep our boots muddy and our ears tuned to the thorny challenges of agriculture. That just sounds cool, doesn't it? Because it's the truth. The Gowan Group is a global, family-owned agriculture solution business headquartered in Yuma, Arizona. Gowan specializes in developing, marketing, and processing agricultural inputs such as crop protection products, seeds, and fertilizers. Gowan has grown markets in the majority of the agricultural regions globally. A deep respect for science and a passion for agriculture drives Gowan Company to help growers solve their critical pest and plant health issues. Let's say it together. Gowan Company. I feel like the more shows we do, the more we get to know each other. You know what I mean? I know you, you know me. Oh, look, we're just regular people, right? I mow my yard, you mow your yard. Regular stuff. And when it comes to promoting open field radio, I need regular people to tell other regular people this show is happening. So tell somebody. Knock on somebody's door, call them up, send them a text, whatever, and tell them you're listening to open field radio, and by golly, they should be too. It'll be awesome, I promise, because that's what friends do at open field radio. Big shout out to places we know are listening to Open Field Radio. Hello to O'Fallon, Missouri, Cambridge, Massachusetts, New York City, Rockland, Maine, Denver, Colorado, and Toronto, Canada. Thanks for listening. This is Marsh McTarry. Marsh McTarry. Co-founder of Grey Whale Gin, Season 1, Episode 7. And you're listening to Open Field Radio. Cool people having conversations about agriculture and life. Open Field Radio. And now back to Open Field Radio with our guest, Executive Director of the American Pyrotechnics Association, Julie Heckman. The American Pyrotechnics Association, how long has it been around? Since 1948. And started basically for this very reason, to help be involved in the regulation and promotion, if you will, of uh, the pyrotechnics industry? Yes, because back in the, the late 1940s, really was prior to the Consumer Product Safety Commission existing. And there was, there was a need to have members of the industry come together, figure out how this industry could grow, how could it be safe, and what kind of regulations would need to be in, in place. So the APA was very instrumental in the development of the first regulations for consumer fireworks back in 1976. Bicentennial. Well, that's a big year for fireworks. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. <laughs> What's the best fireworks show you've ever seen? You know, that's tough. I get to see, I'm spoiled. I get to see a lot of phenomenal fireworks shows. I bet you do. In the United States and, and well, globally. Um, I would say, other than in the U.S., I'll, I'll give you my handful of favorites in the United States yeah. first. Yeah. Um, Nashville, Tennessee, that's where I am right now. I am here for their largest live Independence Day celebration post-pandemic. But Nashville's a fun city to be in, and it's a great show. Macy's Fireworks Show, New York City. Oh, fun. Phenomenal. San Diego, Big Bay Boom. That one's big. another great show. Houston has a phenomenal show. Montreal has a competition every summer. And companies are invited to compete, and each company only gets one representative. So there will be a representative from the United States that competes. But to go see those shows in, in Montreal, the international competition, that's a necessary trip for anyone who really loves pyrotechnics. I think the most memorable show I've ever seen that I can go, that was big and that was huge. I'll date myself a little bit here, but I was at Ronald Reagan's inauguration. That was huge, just to be at a presidential uh, inauguration in D.C. And the fireworks that went off after that, I'll never forget them. 
Yeah, the inaugural shows are absolutely stunning. And you can't help but love, you know, the Washington Monument and the Lincoln Memorial and, and, and being part of that kind of history, celebrating, you know, a new president. So yeah, those events are great. It's a lot of fun. It's a whole lot of fun. Now, when we put this episode together, of course, it was a seasonal show. The timing of the show is to coincide basically one side or the other of Fourth of July, Independence Day, and the celebration of American freedom. But whether you're using fireworks for a celebration or something fun or for chasing the birds out of your field, you know what? There's a little secret you may not know. I think what most people don't know about fireworks is Every firework is made by hand. So when you see a public event, those aerial shells are all made by hand. And look for patterns. You know, you can see smiley faces. You could see stars burst, little fish swim. Those pattern shells are created inside the shell based on the placement of the pyrotechnic they kind of look like marbles or gumballs that fill the shell. So a pattern is created based on how those elements are put into that shell. So when you when you when you see a 16-minute show, you have to think about a three to four weeks went into making one shell because of the drying time and all of that. Very labor-intensive process. And do the commercial companies do they do they make them themselves, or are there folks that do nothing but just? make fireworks for the commercial companies? Well, um, we import roughly 75% of the professional fireworks from China. They're manufactured in China. Okay. With about 5, 5% domestic production in the U.S., and the remaining products are imported from Germany, France, Spain, Japan, Italy, um, because they all have very unique products and very unique effects. So when we see a big show, we're actually seeing an international presentation. The consumer fireworks, 99% are made in, made in China. So we, we don't have a lot of U.S. production, but our niche manufacturing is the special effects for indoor pyrotechnics events. That's not about the 4th of July. That's about the, the tours, the Super Bowl, um, you know, concerts and, and indoor venues. And we do have um, niche manufacturing here, and those products are exported all over the globe. This next question I've asked a million times in different interviews and different situations, but listen to the answer because it resonates. I don't care what industry you're in, but in agriculture, we like to think of it this way. Listen to her answer and check out the parallels. What's your favorite thing about being involved in the pyrotechnics world? You know, I think uh, there are two things. For, for me personally, these are family businesses. They are all small family businesses. And I've been able to, gee, even with my board of directors, I'm, you know, working with a third generation right now. Our conventions are like a family reunion. I mean, it's a tight-knit industry. So I, I would say you don't get that in a lot of careers, you know, and I, I do. I enjoy them. these people I care about deeply. You know, they are like family to me. I think the second thing that just happens is when people ask you, well, what do you do? And you're like, well, I run the trade association for, you know, the American Pyrotechnics Association. Everybody gets excited. Oh, sure. It. You know, they sure. want to know, like, that's, that's different. You know, like, never thought about that as a career. Right. How did you wind up in it? 
Well, you know, it's kind of interesting because I, um, I was a paralegal dealing with these big, bad regulatory agencies, the Occupational Safety and Health Administration and environmental issues. And I ended up moving to a law firm in Washington, D.C., and this was back in 1988. And during the first month I was there, we brought on the American Pyrotechnics Association as a client, and we were their first legal team. And during the course of six years, I worked on other matters, but I did a lot for for the APA. And in the process, I was getting married, my about to have a daughter, and he said, you know, ever, all these clients, I really like the firework people, and they need me. So I cut a deal to work full-time at home for the APA. Six years later, they asked me if I'd like to step up and be the executive director. So at this point, this is my 33rd year working with the pyrotechnics people. That's a career. Yeah, it is, and it's just it's fascinating, and there's never a dull moment. And, um, you know, there's always a new regulation or something that needs to be resolved to help these companies, you know, thrive. And I just really enjoy the challenge of it. Well, uh, it sounds like you're having a blast doing it. No pun intended. (laughs) Yes, I am. If someone wants to know more about you or the association, how do they find you? Well, they can visit our website, which is www.americanpyro, and it's all one word, americanpyro.com. Com, and they can feel free to email me directly. I am under the staff page of the site, Julie Heckman. You've been listening to Open Field Radio from Gowan Company. Like, share, subscribe, review. Everywhere podcasts are found. The views and opinions expressed by the guests of Open Field Radio are theirs and do not necessarily reflect those of the program. All rights reserved, no duplication or redistribution without permission.